This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Today we're talking about mistakes. Specifically, we're talking about Moses' mistakes. Now, I was kind of feeling bad as I was putting this together because it would kind of stink to be the people of the Bible that God was using because, I mean, he could have at least told them all that, like thousands of years later, you're going to be in a book and everything you did wrong, it's going to be like the don't do book and you're going to be in it. Like maybe they would have acted a little bit better, you know. You know, so I was putting it together, I was kind of feeling bad for Moses here. Um, but we can learn from him. And so we're going to take a look at three times that God accuses Moses of making a mistake, okay? Um, the three times are going to be in Exodus 4, 24, 26. It's the first one. If you're taking notes, then you can write these down. The second one is in Numbers 20, verses 2 through 13. And the third one is uh, uh, Exodus 30, chapter 30 through 34. See, Moses, throughout his lifetime, uh, God was trying to show Moses one specific, I mean, he, tra- he taught him a lot of things, but he was trying to show him one specific um, idea or truth that he wanted Moses to learn, Okay. And over and over and over again, God pounds this into Moses. And it's kind of the same for us, too. I mean, so, so do you ever, you have one specific thing that God is always speaking to you. You know, it's like, you know, it's the same thing. He was speaking to you when, when you were younger. It's something that, that still pops up every now and then. You may have it, like, mostly under control. But every once in a while, you see little flashes of it, right? Um, okay, you guys are all too holy. Uh, I'm just me. Okay. No, we all do. And you don't got to be ashamed of it. Even Moses did. But God kept pushing that. And that, that idea is the fact that obedience is the doorway to God's promise. That if you are walking in obedience to God's commands, then God will allow you to walk into his promise for you. Okay? So this is what God is trying to, to, to you know, hammer into to Moses' skull. We meet Moses... Um, after he, uh, I'm not going to read this, but you guys know the story, okay? So Moses, he, he, he gets sent down the river, raised in an Egyptian in Pharaoh's house, right? Kills the, kill, finds out he's Jewish, kills the, the Egyptian guard, gets sent out, gets run out of Egypt, meets up Midian, meets this girl, marries the girl, works for, her, for his father-in-law, and he's out in the mountains, right, working for his father-in-law. And he comes across this burning bush. All right, we all know the story. He sees the burning bush, with the burning bush isn't being consumed by the fire. And out of the fire, a voice speaks. And Moses hears this voice, and the voice tells him that, uh, that it is the God of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it tells him to remove his shoes, and then he's not standing on holy ground. Moses is afraid, and he turns his face away because he doesn't want to see the fire. Because Moses, at this point, is probably around 80 years old, okay? Uh, so Moses is about 80 years old, so he's, he's, 
And he's been, he's, he's known he's, he's a Hebrew for quite some time now. So he knows everything about Abraham and how, you know, and the promise that God gave Abraham and the covenants that have been built around that, okay? And God speaks to him and he says, you're going to go be the redeemer for my people. You're going to go set my people free. And he gives Moses this incredible calling. I mean, I don't know if there is a, there's a greater calling than the calling that Moses received. His calling was to be essentially the first Jesus, to set God's people free, right? To redeem God's people from Pharaoh. Now, Jesus came and he did it on a greater level, right? He redeemed our sins. But Moses was like the first kind of savior being sent to help save the Israelites in Egypt. So after some banter back and forth, right? And Moses is like, I don't want to do it. And God's like, you're going to do it. This is the promise that I have for you. This is the calling that I have upon your life. Eventually, Moses accepts that calling, right? And after he accepts that, God tells him, pack up your stuff, go to Egypt, tell Pharaoh, 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 let my people go. So Moses does that. He asks his father-in-law's permission. Hey, can I take your daughter and and your grandkids and go to Egypt? Uh, uh, Jethro says, go for it. And uh, Moses packs his bags, goes on his way. And on his way, he is met by the Lord. And that's where we come into this scripture here, this first scripture, okay? So again, Exodus 4, chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 through 26. It says, at, at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah, that's Moses' wife, took a flint knife and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said, so, that the, so the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. Okay. Probably didn't know that scripture was there. No, okay? So, uh, this is a quick three-verse scripture that is there and it's gone, okay? But it's the first major mistake that Moses makes and God calls on him. Okay, so just to break this down a little bit, because I've run this by like five people, none of them knew this was there, okay? So, Moses has just been given the highest calling that he could possibly receive by God. And yet, in the next chapter, the next chapter, God seeks him out and wants to kill him. Now, that doesn't make sense. God, is seeking, God wants to seek him out to kill him. So, in order to understand this, we kind of got to break this down. One, why was God seeking to kill Moses? Okay? Obviously, based on the solution to the problem, which was to circumcise their son, was her son wasn't circumcised. Now, before Moses came, remember I was talking about how Moses knew about Abraham. Abraham was given a covenant of circumcision. And that circumcision represented God's people. And God told Abraham that if anyone in the house of Israel is not circumcised, or does not circumcise his household, that he would be cast out of of the house of Israel, right? Okay? God gives that that command to to Abraham. So, 
Moses, even though he's been given this high calling to be this, this redeemer of the Israelite people, God sees him and he says, I called you to this, but you have been disobedient to my laws already. Your household is not in order. Now, it's important to note here that, that, that Moses has two sons at this point. Okay? He has two sons at this point. One of, so that means one of the sons is circumcised, right? Because he doesn't circumcise both of them. He only circumcises one. I know, this is a little, little deep, okay? But I promise, it's going to come back around. So he only circumcises one of his sons. That means one of his sons was not circumcised. So, you could speculate for days, days upon days upon days. Maybe Moses circumcised his first son, and uh, is according to Jewish tradition, which is eight, eight days after birth. And then, after seeing that, his Midianite wife, because his wife was not, was not a Hebrew, saw this and said, I don't want that practice done on my next-born son. And maybe to keep the peace, he let it go. But that's all speculation. It has nothing to do with, with, with the thing. But regardless of any speculation, because there's, a, based on the amount of research I did on this, everyone has a, dis- a different opinion on why he was in this situation or why she, she threw the foreskin at his feet, or why any of this stuff, why did a Midianite know that circumcision was, was the answer to this problem? All of that you could speculate because it's all left open. The one thing you need to know is that God met Moses and said, you have not done what I, what I asked you to do. You have not followed my commands. Okay, now, I'm going to get into a little Hebrew here, okay? So, it says... God met Moses, and he sought to kill him, okay? Now, the word sought, um, the word sought in the Hebrew is pronounced bakash, okay? Bakash. The word bakash can mean seek, but it can also mean hold, okay? Now, this is according to um, the senior professor of uh, 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 at uh, Dallas Theolog- Theological Seminary. Uh, his name is Ronald B. Allen, okay? This is on a study that he did here. So according to him, the word bakash can also mean hold. Now in this sense, it would mean that God met Moses and was holding him, okay? Moses had not done what God wanted him to do. And the punishment for this was to be cast out of the house of Israel, thrown out. He could not be, be an Israelite. And how could he be the leader of the Israelites if he wasn't an Israelite? Which was his punishment for not, doing, for not holding his house in order. Okay, so that was his punishment. So God meets him there, and he holds on to Moses. And the way that, that, that uh, uh, Dr. Allen here uh, describes it, he says it's like a death grip. Kind of the same way that that, uh, Jacob wrestled with the angel, right? So he's holding on to Moses. And he's holding on to him in a a form of mercy. Because God's wrath has to take out. He's saying, I have to take out my wrath on you. But I'm holding it back. But while he's also holding him back, he's holding him back from his calling. The punishment that Moses was receiving in this instance for not obeying what God had asked him to do, 
was that he was being held back from his calling. Moses could literally not move. He could not move. God was holding him back from his scripture. And, and this, that, that, that uh, word that means hold, but gosh, it, it, is, it, is, it comes kind of back around because after she circumcises her son, it says that, he is re- that the Lord releases him. Okay? So now that makes a little sense. God came, sought to kill him, was holding on to him in this death grip, and then releases him after he makes his sin right, or his wife does. Thank, thank God for quick-witted wives, right? I just should have heard a lot more from the women in here, okay? So Moses' first mistake, he does not follow the covenant of Abraham, does not circumcise his household. God meets him there, holds him back from his calling, says, you cannot go further, I cannot let you, because my wrath will be taken out on you if you go further in this ministry. God holds him back. Moses makes it right, and God releases him into the calling. Okay? So this is the first time that Moses learns that disobedience to the Lord will keep you from the promise that he has given you. Right? God promised him, you will, be the, the, you will redeem my people. Right? You will go and you will tell Pharaoh, set my people free. But then God holds him back because he's disobedient. So first time Moses has learned, okay, disobedience will keep me from the promise that God has given me. We're going to move on to our next, next uh, uh, mistake that Moses is accused of, okay? This is in Numbers 20, verses 2 through 13. I'm going to ad-lib this one here. Let me know if I got anything wrong. Moses and the Israelites are in the desert. Israelites are, are, are tired and hungry and, and they they're want water and they're dying for water and they're they're crying, they're being big babies, and, and Moses just can't stand them. And he is like, Josh, just, you know, shut up already. Stinking Israelites. All you do is complain. And God says, you know, speak to the, you know, hit the rock once and speak to it, you will have water. But what does Moses do? He hits it twice out of his frustration. So Moses, frustrated, says, You want water? Take some water. If we have to give you water from a rock, right? And he smacks it twice. And God is brokenhearted. And he's angry because Moses has now disobeyed him a second time. Now you say, he hit the rock. He hit the rock twice. And God told him to hit it once, right? It says, hit it once and then speak to the rock. So he got a little carried away, got one little whack in there, one extra whack. And God's, God is now punishing him. And what's the punishment that he gets? He cannot, he's not allowed to go into the promised land. He's kept from his promise. The promise that Moses was given, one of the biggest promises, was not that he would, be, would take them out of Egypt, but that he would lead them into the promised land, the land flowing of milk and honey. God talked it all up to him. And now because he hit the rock one extra time, he's being held from that? Seems a little not fair. But the fact of the matter is, whether he hit it two times, or one time, or a million times, doesn't matter, because he disobeyed God. And disobedience to God is always disobedience to God. There's no different levels. You can't be half pregnant, right? 
You're not all, it just doesn't work that way. In the same way, you can't be half, half obedient to God. And God says, you didn't listen to me. After I stopped you in, the, in your tracks and I, watched, and I made you watch as your wife circumcised your son in front of you, you still didn't get it. And Moses loses. Now this time, you know, the first time, he's held back from his, from his calling, but he's able to redeem it. This time, he can't redeem this, this, this uh, mistake that he's made. There is none. And until on his deathbed, he never walked into the land of Canaan. God allowed him to see into it at the end, but he couldn't walk into it. So Moses, because of his disobedience, has once again, he's once again learned this lesson, disobedience will keep you from, from the promise of God. This is the second time. So now Moses is a little bit wise to this, okay? We're going to move on to our third, third uh, uh, story here, okay? Moses has now taken the Israelites and he's learned his lesson and he's gone to Mount Sinai. He goes up the mountain and he meets God and God's, or him and God are having a little chat. And, and God gives him the Ten Commandments and, and all that's going good. And while Moses is up there for 40 days, the Israelites start getting a little testy, right? And they're like, all right, we don't even know if he's coming back. He's been up there 40 days. We need some gods to worship. We, we need something to worship because he's not really giving us anything and he's hogging all God all to himself on the mountain. So they start throwing a fit and Moses' brother Aaron totally punks out and is like, just give me all your earrings and jewelry and I'll just make one, you know? Aaron's been there from the start, but he, he punks out real quick here. And he builds this idol, and out comes a calf, right? It's a golden calf, and they worship it, and they make sacrifices to it. They do all these things, and they break this covenant, which they had just made with God. They just made this, this, this covenant with God a, 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 you know, just prior, or just uh, right before this. And they break this covenant. And God is angered, and Moses is angered. And Moses walks down and he takes this, the, the, the things that have been built by God and he smashes them at the, at the foot of the mountain and he goes down and he says, Aaron, you idiot. What were you thinking? And Aaron's like, oh, they were, they, were, they were really angry and they really wanted the gods to worship, so I just gave it to them. Moses is like, oh, I knew I was a smarter brother. And Moses says, this needs to be settled right now. So he says, if you want to serve Yahweh, if you want to serve the God of Israel, raise your hand. They raise, some of them raise their hand. He says, all right, pull out your sword and cut down your brother and your neighbor, the ones who do not want to serve the Lord. And that day, they, they killed 3,000 of their own. 3,000 of their own that didn't want to worship God the God of Israel. Moses is serious because Moses recognizes, finally, it took two times, third time's a charm, Moses recognizes what disobedience will keep them from. Right? There's a reason why Moses is so passionate at this point. First two times, he didn't even fight it. He was like, oh, yeah, I messed up. Keep me from the promise. This time, he is passionate. He's, 
He's fired up and he's mad at the Israelites for doing this because he knows what disobedience will bring. So, from here, Moses goes, he climbs back up the mountain, and he goes and he speaks to God, and God is angry, and he wants to pour out his wrath on the people of Israel. And Moses says, ah, take it easy, please, please, please. And he begs for mercy, and begs and begs and begs for mercy. And God says, all right, just, I've had enough of you. Pack up your stuff, go to the land that I promised you, and I'll send an angel to be with you, but I'm not going. He says, if I go with you, I'm going to end up killing you. Right? Kind of sounds like a lot of your guys' houses on Thanksgiving, right? If you make me drive with you, I'm going to end up killing you. And, and that is, and that's, that's what God gives to Moses. Here, go, pack it up. I can't deal with you guys anymore. And following this, Moses grows some cojones here. And we see the most bold and confident prayer that has ever been spoken to God, at least in the Scriptures. Moses goes to God in chapter 33, and I want to read this. 33, uh, verse 12 through 23. I'm going to... I'm going to read at least some of this here. Moses says, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you. In the Hebrew, it doesn't say with you. It just says, My presence will go, and I will, keep you, and I will give you rest. Moses then, wanting to be assured, says, If your presence does not go with us, do not even send us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Moses this third time says, wait a second. You're telling me that you're not going to go with us. Now Moses is now calling back from a promise that was given to him at the burning bush. Moses said, who shall I tell the Israelites is sending me? Who shall I tell the Israelites is going with us? And he says, I am Yahweh, Jehovah. That is who's going with you. Now Moses is recalling this and is saying, hold up. Those first two times, I'll give you. I messed up this, the first time. Should have circumcised the kid before eight day, or on, after the eighth day. That second time, should have had some restraint. Shouldn't have whacked that stone the, the second time. But this time, I didn't do nothing wrong. And Moses is upset. He is, he is heartbroken, and he's angry, and he's saying, God, they did this. But you can't break this promise that you made me. You told me that you would go with me. And Moses is demanding that God fulfill the promise that he made to him back at the burning bush. And you're saying, why does Moses look so different? 
Look at the picture. Moses is silent in the first and second, uh, uh, the, the first and te- second uh, instances when God is punishing him for, for disobedience. He's silent, absolutely silent. Doesn't say a word. And this third, third time, suddenly, he's Mr. Macho Man, and, he, and, he's, and he's calling out to God saying, you better do this. What is the difference here? The difference is, the third time, Moses was walking in obedience. Because when you're walking in obedience, it gives you you confidence to fight for your promises. I'm going to say it one more time. When you are walking in the obedience of the Lord, you can be confident to fight for your promises. And Moses goes to town on God here. He's, He's saying, you have to do this. You made me that promise. And as this goes on, he, he starts to, 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 to call out God on his character. I don't even know who you're sending with us. Is it the God that abandons me and doesn't fulfill his promise? Moses is bold because he's walking in obedience. See, now, I always had a problem with this. Because I really always felt like you should be kind of, you know, you should be pleasant when you're praying. You know, I, I was actually talking to my dad about this. I don't know how it came up. But you're talking about um, uh, when you leave prayer, you know, is there ever a time when you leave prayer and you're, and you're upset or, or, or you're angry or you're, you're frustrated or, or should you leave prayer, prayer in peace? And he said, well, I leave, I leave prayer. A lot of times I leave prayer angry or frustrated with God or, or, or um, you know, disheartened or whatever. And the difference is when you, when, when you, like my dad, who's walking in obedience, you can leave a prayer that way because you are confident in where you stand with God. Now, we as Christians can even more so stand confident because we have the blood of Christ that covers us. Moses didn't have that. But he knew that he, he's like, I've been, I've been clean. You, you can't accuse me of this one. I've been clean. Now you have to fulfill your promise to me. We can, even more so than Moses, we can go before God and say, I'm clean because your son washed me. And I've been following your ways. And I've been living my life for Christ. Now God, you gave me this promise. And stand to it. What we can take from this. One, God is a God of promises. He's a God of biblical promises. In the Bible, the Bible if, you, if God's never given you a personal prom, promise, then go look, for, look in the Bible and find a promise that applies to you. Because God's book, the Holy Word, is full of God's promises that apply to you. The promises that he makes Moses... In chapter 19, he makes Moses a promise, and he says, he says if you obey my commands, you will be a, a, a holy nation and a royal priesthood, and you will be my prized possession. For you, that means if you follow God's commands, you'll be his prized possession. What do you do with your prized possessions at home? You take care of them. He says you will be a holy nation. You will be set apart. If you follow the ways of God, you will be set apart from the rest of the world. You won't look like them. 
He says, you will be a royal priesthood. You will have unlimited access to my presence. Those promises are for you people. They're for, uh, for me. They're for everyone that is obeying the commands of God. So if you've never, not been given a personal promise, go out, look in the Bible, read the Scriptures, and find a promise that applies to you, and hold God to that. Now, like I said about personal promises, there's also personal promises. Sometimes God will, will speak to you, and He will say, I'm going to fix your marriage. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm going to fix your marriage. I'm going to give you the child you've been praying for. Your brother is going to be saved. Your family is going to come to know Christ. I promise you that. And He will give you that promise, okay? And when you're walking in obedience with God, you can hold Him to that. And God always fulfills His promises. Always. Never once. Read the Scriptures. The whole thing. Go through it. Look in the history of the world. There's never been a moment when God has not fulfilled His promise. Because God's promises are conditional. God says, here is my promise if you obey my commands. If you follow my covenant. So if you do your end, God will fulfill His promise to you. I guarantee it. I put all the money in the world on it. Want to know why? Because I got a million to one chances because God's never been wrong. He always does it. He always fulfills His promise. Second thing we could take home is that if you are currently walking in disobedience, you will not find that promise. If you are walking in your life and you are, you are you're living your life away from God, then the promise that He made you years ago in your prayer closet, you will never reach it. You, you currently, God is standing there and He's lifting you up and your feet are moving, right? But he's just holding you up, right? You ever do that to a little kid? They're trying to run away from you. You hold them up. Their feet still keep moving, right? And you're holding them, but they can't go anywhere. That's what's happening to you if you're being disobedient to God. You're running for that promise. But you're not following God's way. And because of that, you will never reach it. It doesn't matter the calling that's on your life. Moses was called to set the people of Israel free. God's beloved. He was called to set them free. And God was going to kill him. God was willing to hold back the person that he had called to set his people free. What makes you think that he's not going to hold you back? Last thing that we can take with us is that if you are obedient, God will open the door to your promise. And I believe that. I believe it today. I believe it tomorrow. I believe it the next day. If you walk in obedience with God's ways, He will open the door to your promise and you will find it. But sometimes, you need to take a, 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 a note out of Moses' book. And you need to say, hold up God, listen up. I've been following your ways and I can stand before you because I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. And I can stand before you because I've been walking in your ways. But I have a thing to, I have a bone to pick with you. And you challenge God and you say, God, are you who I thought you were? Are you who, are you who the scripture says you are? 
You challenge God, and God will respond to you. God was pleased with Moses' challenge, it says. It says, I know you by name. God likes a challenge. And he will respond to you. When you challenge him, he, will, he wants you to call him out on his promises. He wants you to. If you're sitting back in your chair every day and you're just hoping, God's saying, come on. Test me. Come give me some. Because God wants you to say, wants to go, everything you asked, I will give it to you. Which is what he says to Moses. Every single thing that you asked, I will give to you. I, it will be done for you. Because I promised it and I always, always keep my promises. Now Moses, he still has a little steam built up here. He's still feisty. And he says, show me your glory. Now hold on, let me just let me take you back here. When we first met Moses at the burning bush, he was terrified. Terrified of the flame. Turned his face away. He's taking his shoes off. He's saying, oh, I don't want to see you. But do you see what obedience does? He's all hopped up, and he's saying, come on, God, I want to see you. Show me your glory. And God's saying, hold on, tiger. You can't see my face, you're going to die. So I'm just going to show you my back, a little bit of my back. The guy lifts up a little bit of the back, just shows him a little bit. I'm going to hide you behind this rock. And Moses says, show me your glory. And what does God give to him? Man, he gives him the most, some of the most beautiful words that are in this scripture. I want to read this verse right before. I'm ending right now, I promise. Exodus 34, 6 through 7. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. God, Moses asked God, Show me your glory. And what does he get? He gets a revelation of the character of God. We sing songs like we sang on Sunday. Show me your glory. But sometimes we don't even know what that means. Sometimes we're expecting to just get a little bit of, of a little Holy Ghost you know, heebie-jeebies on a Sunday morning. That's not what the glory of God is. The glory of God is His character. And when you challenge God, and you say, God, fulfill your promise to me and show me your glory. He will reveal His character to you. He will reveal it to you and that will get you through. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.